Good morning. This morning we are in Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite your whole territory with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs, which will come up and go into your house and into your bed and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and on your people and into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. So the frogs will come up on you and your people and all your servants. What a disgusting thing that would be, huh? I mean, frogs can be kind of cute, I guess, but if you ever put one in your hand, what do they do? They immediately pee. Uh, this would not have been, it would have been horrible to have frogs everywhere like that. And it's amazing how hard Pharaoh's heart was, not only by God, but as we'll see, his heart was hard on his own too. And you would think he would he would let him go, but uh, perhaps their labor was extremely valuable to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers and over the streams and over the pools and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. It's kind of unusual. I, you know, I've obviously have been through and read this a lot of times and I always think of Moses but it's interesting how Moses is like the lead, but Moses has his man of God, Aaron, stretch out his hands. That must have been interesting to Pharaoh to see Moses be the leader, but then delegate, you know, the miracle to, of course, God, but also for Aaron to perform it. Um, in some ways, that's almost more powerful. It's like Moses gets to sit back and his second-hand man, you know, spreads his hands and the miracle happens. Then it says again in verse 7 that the magicians did the same with their secret arts, making frogs come up on the land of Egypt. And yeah, you've probably heard what I've said about this. Maybe they did. Maybe they multiplied frogs. I think Pharaoh likely just wanted to believe that his magicians could do what these guys could do. Therefore, they weren't that special. He didn't need to listen to them. And if there were frogs everywhere, I picture these magicians coming up with some kind of method for making it seem like the frogs and Aaron and Moses already brought forth. So they somehow, you know, made it appear as though they brought forth as well. We won't ultimately know the answer to that, but, uh, that's a perception that I have on it. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may remove the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Now, this is interesting. Well, let me take it one more verse. Moses said to Pharaoh, The honor is yours to tell me, when shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people, that the frogs be destroyed from you and your houses, that they may be left only in the Nile? And then he said, tomorrow, so he said, may it be done according to wor your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And what an amazing miracle this would be to remove all the frogs now. And what I find interesting about this, and you know, later on in, in, as we move through the book of Exodus, we're going to see that Moses sometimes gets ahead of God. And 
you know, that could that could happen to a man or woman of God who sees God use them. I don't know if if Moses is getting, you know, a couple different thoughts here. If Moses is getting confident in the Lord, obviously seeing this stuff happen, but we don't see that God told him that, you know what, not only are the frogs going to swarm, but then when Pharaoh asks you to get rid of the frogs, I'm going to remove them. We don't see that promise from God given to Moses. And yet Moses is saying, hey, you, you tell me when, uh, Pharaoh, and, and I'll get rid of the frogs. Now, could could God have told him, and it's not recorded in the scriptures? Possibly. But I kind of feel like Moses is, I guess you could say, trusting God that God's going to do this because he wants everyone to see that he has the power to do it. But uh, again, later we'll see Moses sometimes get a little bit ahead of God. And this may be an occasion here where he does, but you know what? God's going to work through it anyways, and God's going to uh, follow through in removing uh, these frogs. Um, so let's, let's, oh, the other thing that I wanted to note that I think is interesting is, listen to what it says, that you may sacrifice there. Uh, that, you know, already Pharaoh knows that the Israelites in honor of God want to go and make a sacrifice to him. You know, we don't even have the sacrificial system yet based on the law that will come later. If you're not familiar with those terms, you'll learn about this as we go through because there was given a law of God that in order to be forgiven of your sin, that you could bring a sacrifice to him and that sacrifice would make atonement for your sin. And essentially by offering that animal, you know, your sin would be released. And in a sense, that animal would be paying for your sin. And that system's not even developed, but we already have a historical understanding from the scriptures that a sacrifice is honoring to God. I mean, you might remember, well, first of all, Cain and Abel, right? And Abel made a sacrifice from his flock and God was pleased with his sacrifice. And then you might remember the Noahic covenant. And when Noah got off that boat, he made an offering to the Lord and the Lord smelled the aroma and was pleased with the offering. And then when God made the covenant with Abraham, Abraham made a sacrifice. So it's already being known not only to the Israelites, but to Pharaoh and just the people around that that's something that God desires is that we would honor him through sacrifice. And I think what's so interesting about that, those of you who know the new covenant story of Jesus, is that in God's favor and honor towards offerings and sacrifice, God followed his own rules and he took his only begotten son whom he loved and he made him the sacrifice. And when you know and understand the sacrifices of the Old Testament and then you see God make the once and final offering of his son in order to forgive us, it all comes together and makes sense and all glory be to God. And we no longer have to do that. We no longer have to sacrifice like that anymore because Jesus was the final one. And even the Jews, even when their temple got destroyed in 70 AD, they stopped the sacrificial system, even though it's part of their law. Uh, so pretty pretty amazing that we see this early on in history. And that's why it's so important you know, to read this Old Testament and know the whole counsel of God's word because it's a beautiful story. It's two laces 
And you need to tie them up, the Old and New Testaments, bring them together to to be sound and to have sure footing in life. And indeed we do because of all that God has done. So you're going to see that the, the Lord our God is for us when these frogs get removed. So verse 11, the frogs will depart from you and your houses and your servants and your people, and they will be left only in the Nile. I mean, this is quite an amazing thing that Moses is saying, yep, I'm going to do this, and the frogs will all be gone, and they'll only be in the Nile. Then Moses and Aaron went from Pharaoh, and Moses, and listen to this, and cried to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had afflicted upon Pharaoh. And it's like, God, you got to come through. This is, I said this was going to happen. You know, please, Lord, remove them. And he responded, praise God. You know, the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, the courts, and the fields. So they piled them up in heaps, and the land became foul. Now, I would say to you, before you, uh, unless you're just really having a Holy Spirit intuition, you know, uh, I would be very careful to get ahead of God in that. You know, I Moses probably should have probably would have should have went and prayed and said, God, will you remove the frogs? And then went back to Pharaoh and said the same exact thing that the Lord's going to show you His power by removing the frogs. But again, the Lord didn't doesn't condemn him here, so I, I won't condemn him. But this was a, a bold thing to um to do, and and God God responded, Hallelujah. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief. So once the frogs went away, he hardened his heart and did not listen to them as the Lord had said. So now listen to that because, you know, we hear about God hardening Pharaoh's heart. But listen to what it said in verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, you know, once the difficult thing went away, he hardened his heart. And, you know, sometimes are we like that where we're like, God, I hope you do this for me. And maybe God does and things get better. But then we're like, undevoted to God. You know, we don't end up following through and living for God the way we do. As soon as something goes away, it's it's almost like God does what we need. And then we think, oh, well, maybe it just happened or maybe it was just coincidence. And now I don't need to honor the Lord. And it's like, I don't know if that's what Pharaoh thought, but he immediately was like, okay, well, that's gone. I guess I can move on and not follow through on what I said, which is obviously the wrong move. Then the Lord said, to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, and it may become gnats through all the land of Egypt. They did so, and some some versions will say lice. Either way would be nasty. They did so, and Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats through all the land of Egypt. So, you know, it appears at first that these plagues were not isolated to the Egyptians, but that Israel in their midst also had to suffer through these things. We don't hear a lot about it, but in in a moment we'll see some plagues where it's only going to come on the Egyptians and not the Israelites, which would really be a whole nother power display by God that he could do that. So this one, finally, the magicians tried with their secret arts to bring forth gnats, but they could not. And that's interesting, you know, because they could have probably falsified, if they were falsifying, as a theory that I have, they could have probably falsified this too. But you know what? Maybe at this point, they're sick of these plagues and they don't want to, they want like 
Pharaoh to listen. <laughs> Pharaoh, would you listen to Moses and Aaron? Because we're sick of these plagues and we're not going to pretend that we have the power to do what they're doing because they may just keep it up. You need to listen to God. Uh, now, you'll see there's some evidence for that in a moment, but but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Listen to that. <laughs> they're, they're now saying this is of God, Pharaoh. <laughs> No wonder they didn't uh, try to produce a miracle, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Now there, it sounds like God is hardening it. So we see Pharaoh's heart hardened himself and, and, and sometimes God hardening it. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. The Lord already knew his heart would be hardened and these miracles are going to go go on. Now, I mentioned to you that these these plagues were too dethrone Egyptian gods. And I, I looked into that more. And, you know, the, the first one on the blood, it's very common that everyone says that that was regarding the Egyptian deity Hopi. And the frogs, uh, many of them think that it's to dethrone the Egyptian god Hecht, uh, a fertility type god. But as I've gone through and I've I've looked at lots of different sources, the God that people think, historians think that Moses and God were showing to that they, they really didn't have power and that the God was had the power. The order and the sequence in which God they think uh Egyptian God they think God was dethroning is different. Like it's very inconsistent. So they had a lot of gods is, is the point. Egypt had a lot of different gods. Hecht, Hathor, Nut, Shu, Isis. Isn't that interesting? Isis. Apis, Sekhmet, Geb, Serapis, Ra. And I've seen, that's just on one list. I've seen other names of Egyptian gods too. So additional ones. And sometimes they, you know, uh, a theologian will say, well, this plague was for this God, but then I read somebody else and it's for a different one. So I'm not going to get too deep into that because I don't see great consistency, but I do think that the Egyptians clearly had many gods that they worshiped. And part of this emphasis is to show the Egyptians and to show Israel that the only true God is the Lord, our God, and he has power over these things. They claimed their gods have power over. I think that's going to be sufficient for what, God wants to accomplish in us as we go through this. So now verse 20. Now the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh. As he comes out to the water and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you do not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and on your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of flies and also on the ground which they dwell. But on the day I will set apart the land of Goshen. Now that's the land that the Israelites were staying in, in near Egypt, but that was like their land where my people are living, so that no swarms of flies will be there, in order that you may know that I, the Lord, am in the midst of the land. Isn't that cool? I'm going to give Egypt flies, but not my people, and then you're going to know. You're going to know that this is of God because only God could do that. 
What a what amazing thing. I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign will occur. What an amazing sign. Then the Lord did so, and there came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and the houses of his servants, and the land was laid waste because of the swarms of flies in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh called for Moses. I love this. And Aaron said, go. Look at look what he says here. Sacrifice to your God. See how well known it was? Within the land. He wants him to stay in Egypt and do it. But Moses said, it is not right to do so, for we will sacrifice to the Lord our God what is an abomination to the Egyptians. So apparently, although the Egyptians or Pharaoh knew that Israel wanted to sacrifice to God, that they the Egyptians would see it as sacrilege or somehow... Uh, not something that they supported. So Moses is like, we don't want to do it. Plus, he wanted to go. I mean, he, they didn't want to do it in, in Egypt. They wanted to get out of Dodge and do it. If we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? So that that's a, an argument Moses is making, and perhaps perhaps that would have happened if they would have did it in the land. We must go a three-day journey, but he wants to take them out of there, into the wilderness, and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commanded us. Hey, we need to do what God commanded, and he wanted us to go and sacrifice. Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Make supplication for me. Now, it, it appears to me from what I'm reading, I will let you go, Moses, and you can go in the wilderness, but I want you to go make supplication for me, meaning not he's not permitting all of Israel to go. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I shall make supplication to the Lord, that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Tomorrow, only do not let Pharaoh deal deceitfully again, and not letting the people go sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses is going to go out and plead on God's behalf for the flies and for Pharaoh, but not with Israel. And then he's hoping to come back and that then Pharaoh will say, go. So with the people. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. Now that is quite the statement. Not one fly remained. But Pharaoh, now Pharaoh's doing it himself again. Pharaoh hardened his heart, this time also, and he did not let the people go. Wow, it seems to me that I would definitely have let these people go. I would not want to be experiencing these plagues. I would imagine you feel the same way. But somehow God did not want Pharaoh to let them go easily. His power is going to be on display, and Israel is going to see it. Moses is going to see it. Pharaoh is going to see it. And we're going to have a testimony that's going to last throughout the ages. And here we are reading about the plagues of God. So. There we have it, some amazing miracles of God in these plagues. Um, it's incredible what our God can do, and praise God for his power, and we will revisit this again in chapter 9. God bless you all.